This time on The Real Generation Gap. You could still be Hitler now and have the same results. It was a perfect uh, duality between uh, comedy and seriousness. They have racial hatred or whatever in a certain community. The whole world has got all these problems and it's like it's a big joke. We've made societies of clown people. Hi, welcome to The Real Generation Gap. I'm BJ Kang. I'm Fred Satilli. And today we're reviewing Look Who's Back, a 2015 black comedy satire film where Hitler makes a surprise reappearance in 2015 Germany. Yeah, this is a movie that tells the story of Hitler's rebound in history and what a rebound it was. Isn't it interesting? You yeah. could be Hitler 70 years ago and you could still be Hitler now and have the same results. When we finished up the review of the death of Stalin and we were talking about comedy movies about uh, despotic rulers and if it could ever be done, you you were, you started saying, oh, my favorite movie about Hitler is, and I expected you to say something like Downfall or any other more dramatic film about Hitler. And then you said, look who's back. And I was like, you like look who's back? I love look who's back. And I'm like, I don't know anyone who's like seen this movie, at least in the States. I couldn't believe you had seen it. I, I, I couldn't believe it because I thought I was the only one who'd seen it. And that's strange because it went to number one in Germany to, in three weeks of its release. It's surprising because you wouldn't really think that a, a, a comedy movie about Hitler would be so popular in Germany. And yet it made a huge impression in 2015 over there. And honestly, I think it's important to talk about it now here. Well, you know, you're supposed to learn from history, right? Yeah. One of the things I really loved about the making of this movie, it's a dark comedy. It's a satire. It's it's. It is, but it isn't. You know, this is one of these movies where you see the serious part and you see the comedy part. And in the story, the people looking at him, they could see the comedy part. They thought he was a joker. But then they started to think that they kind of agreed with him. They didn't want to agree with him, but some more than others. So what they did to set the tone in the beginning was they played a piece of music called La Gaza Landra. Mm -hmm. This is a Rossini piece. It's a classical piece and it's been used in lots and lots of movies and it always indicates that something funny is gonna happen. But once you hear that music and you see what's going on, you know something funny is gonna happen. And that was a great way to start the story. Yeah, there's a lot of elements in this movie. I think timing and delivery and execution are kind of the key words to really describe the comedy of this movie and how it lands. I think making a, a joke out of Hitler being unabashedly himself in current day Germany it would be a touchy subject to impossible, really... Impossible. Almost right? impossible, impossible, right. It takes genius delivery. Yeah. And we got it. And we got it. And we got it. And some of the... Some of the first jokes were the best jokes. He, he looks around, he realizes he's in Berlin, but everything looks different. He says, I need information. So he goes over to a newsstand, and this is my favorite line in the whole movie. He goes over and he says, what year is it? And the guy says, 2014. So he's been missed 70 years, right? Yeah. And he looks down and he says, you have newspapers in Turkish. And the guy says, well, we have Turkish customers here in the community. And he says, the Ottoman Empire made a comeback? I would have never guessed that. So the, the context, he's accepting that he's in 2014. And it's the same thing when he sends his uniform to the cleaners. He, he goes to a cleaners called the Blitz Cleaners. And he, he grabs this guy and he says, you know nothing. You don't even know where your uniform is. I know where my uniform is. It's in the cleaners. <laughs> and that nobody knows what to think. They start to laugh. 
And then he shows his ticket from the cleaners. It says Blitz. And, and of course, everybody just laughs, yeah. you know, because how could Hitler pick the Blitz cleaners? The whole movie is based on the idea that he is completely serious and saying the exact things that he said in the late 30s and, you know, right into the war. And everybody takes it as a complete goof. He starts in a comedy club. Yeah. They get as a complete goof. But little by little, the people start to say, you know what? I left my head off, but I actually agree with a lot of things that guy was saying. And little by little... He begins to gain popularity. Yeah. I, I think this movie, especially when it comes to my, my uniforms in the cleaners and he goes to blitz cleaners out of all things, this movie lends a lot of credence to its writing. The writing is is brilliant because everything Hitler says is sort of a double-edged sword in this movie where he's saying exactly what he believes, what he feels, and he he's not he's never compromising on who he is. He never states in the movie that I'm not the actual real Adolf Hitler. He says, I'm Adolf Hitler, and everyone simply just believes, oh, that's that's absurd i could that that's so funny so provocative and it's like everything he's saying they think it's drenched in like an irony or it's drenched behind like as a joke or a parody as a satire but in reality he's saying the real things that he actually believes and and he says he's doing that you know and even when his producer does an investigation to find out who he really is and she says you you have no past where did you come from he's like I really am Hitler. I mean, just imagine somebody doing that with Jesus. Just imagine somebody coming along and professing to be Jesus and doing everything. What would Jesus do, right? And taking the slings and arrows. You know, Hitler, when they laugh at him in the movie, he accepts it. He says, I'll do anything for the German people. If playing the fool is what the German people need me to do, I'll do that. I'm doing this for the German people. That's what I really uh, loved about, like like I said, the, the writing was really good. It was, it managed to capture... I thought what was interesting, this is a comedy movie, it's a satire about Hitler, uh, but yet it somehow captured a very accurate portrayal of who he really was. Let, let's be honest, as horrible as a despot that he was, he was a charismatic, uh, articulate uh, leader of his people. And But not only that, he was never compromising on what he believed and but he was he was crafty he was you know he was smart he knew exactly how to manipulate a public to play towards his hands when i started to think about this i thought you can make this movie with a hundred people what if george washington woke up in valley forge or you know or thomas jefferson all of a sudden just appeared what would people do and what would they think what would they think if gandhi reappeared what would they think if buddha reappeared right yeah. all, all these people throughout history how would they be taken now how would they be accepted i think they'd be equally loved the same way i think if elvis presley appeared 18 years old now being elvis presley totally just as innocent as he was, I think people would love that. It's uh, this movie, like I said, could be made many times, many people returning. It's uh, certainly a good choice to do Hitler, though. I think it was a very precise and exact choice to do Hitler, especially at this time in, in German politics, because there's a lot of fear going on in European politics and especially in Germany at this time when the movie was made and even now. And that's what I think is really, I can't believe how they were able to execute and like perfectly integrate both real interviews that they had with people. And that's where the sort of Borat uh, part of the film is, where I think his name is Sasha Born Conan. I forgot what his name is. That's it. The, no, you're right. Yeah. The actor for Borat, he plays a character and he, he has, you know, he it's improv, but there's some scripting. The people that he interacts with, these are re like regular people. It's unscripted. And yet he's able to perfectly prey upon uh, their fears, their concerns to play perfectly into the 
this fictionalized agenda of Hitler. Just as the perfect propagandist would. And just look at his reaction. He looks on the TV, he sees Angela Merkel, and he says, this country's in the hands of a clumsy woman with the charisma of a wet noodle. How can this be? Because look at the difference of those two people. The strength of Hitler and the weakness of Merkel. You can see how outraged he would be. That's why one of the funniest things I liked in the movie was he wanted to be representing the Green Party because he said, we want to have purity. We want to have pure people. We want them to drink pure water and eat pure food and breathe pure air. This Green Party is the only bunch of you people that know what they're doing. He goes, you're the only really patriotic group in the country. Everybody is some weak, wimpy. Look when he went to the Democratic Democratic Party headquarters, right? And he met the like metrosexual guy or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm running the party. And he's like, you, you're out. You, you're, do we have anybody better? Is there anybody better that can do this? This guy? And then he ends, he goes, this is ridiculous. I can't be part of this national socialism. You guys don't even understand national socialism. He stomps out the door, you know, waving him off. Yeah. So good. There's, and it, I think it's really uh, masterful the way that they're able to draw comedy from those completely unscripted uh, interactions. Like that, that one scene where he's talking about like current social political issues to one of the people the guy he says that he's he thinks that the green party is favorable and he says would you support me and he goes oh no absolutely not because it's just a random guy seeing a guy who he thinks is like a performance actor dressed as hitler and he's like if you're asking i'm generally going to support you in politics i would not and so then uh hitler takes out a little notepad and he goes what's your name it's like <laughs> he goes what do you need my name for it he goes for when the i bring the death camps back you know you'll be one of the first one when i make it right or he tells the other guy i have a position for you we're gonna we're gonna send you to the front yeah. right <laughs> and send you directly to the front i think i think you said one of your favorite scenes is when he starts doing the characters or the portraits <sighs> when they need to make money and those are all with unscripted people as well what was the one with the the vagabond where he starts drawing the vagabond like you said right yeah, yeah he tells the guy take this picture home hang it on your refrigerator and then hang yourself next to it because <laughs> we don't we don't have any room for vagabonds in germany and, and then you, he, you hang yourself take a picture home you know yeah but they all laugh they're all laughing along they're all taking he goes to the real i think like world cup and i, I thought that was a genius idea for him to go to a sports tournament because if you ever want to see like a very light watered down version of just blatant nationalism sort of uh, sports is the perfect way to do it because it's like, why are you a Dodgers fan? It's like, because I was born in LA and I will be a Dodgers fan for the rest of my life because I was born in LA. Right. Or like, if you go to, uh, was it Boston? They asked like, why are you, oh, exactly. Why are you yeah. a Red Sox fan? Because I'm born here in right, Boston. Right, the Bruins. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, when he goes to the, uh, the World Cup, because it's like a watered down version of sort of like nationalism there, he, everyone there is like, oh, for Deutschland, for right, Germany. They're waving the flags yeah, and stuff. And he has his brilliant interactions with soccer fans to bring out like those comedic interactions right there, those unscripted people. Once the media begins to see like all these people sort of laughing at the idea of a Hitler impersonator or actor walking around modern day Germany, those who work in media are supposed to be the most sensitive towards what they portray on a large platform because they have a lot of power towards what's presented to the general public. But immediately they go, oh, people think that Hitler is funny now. Let's put him on a platform. Let's put Hitler right in front of like right on everyone's tv screens there's super opportunistic and there's very little ethics going into their decision making there right if, if it's getting hits and and the reason that they did that was because he was getting a million hits the one uh, tv person producer said to the other tv producer we got to do this and they said no we can't do this and they said 
He's got two million hits like in an hour. They said, get him on there. Get him on TV. So they got him on the TV show. Yeah. And he came on a guest as a TV show. And they play the ride of the Valkyrie as he came in and down the <laughs> stairs. And he came up to the microphone and everybody had a big smile on their face. They're ready for some funny thing to happen. And he stands there frozen. And he looks out across the audience. And in his mind, he says, look at them. They're afraid of silence. It's only been a few seconds and they're already uneasy. Look how weak they are. He's thinking this and this is his observation. Mm -hmm. And then he begins to talk. Somebody who's controlling a gigantic crowd, they read the crowd. Yeah. And it shows just how good he is at that. Not only that, but um, the actor who played uh, Hitler, Oliver Masucci, perfect delivery of every line, perfect execution of every joke. Everything lands, which is... It's oh, miraculous almost. Yeah, it is, I say it in every movie. you got to see it more than once. And uh, this is the same way. I watched it twice last week because I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And, and I, I said, man, what did I miss? What did I not see? And not see? Hey, that's a joke, huh? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. I knew something like that would happen. Uh-huh. But it was great to see and analyze the quality of artistic work in his delivery of yeah. all this stuff the writer is to be the writer once again perfect movie you know and uh it was executed by the actors all the actors uh sensenbrenner there or whatever mm. his name was and then they had the incredible katja bellini when he met her he had never met a woman like her yeah she was running the whole show there and he said my god look at the strength of this woman and then the guy in blackface down there he was supposedly imitating barack obama his shtick yeah. was impersonating people yeah so when you see him come on they start smearing the blackface on him they're painting him and he says we, I, my guest is a guy who's who's a, pretending to be hitler or whatever mm-hmm. this is in bad taste i don't want to do this yeah and a lot of people you know, he, he never accepted it the whole time. He never wanted that guy to be bigger and better than him because he had a hit TV show yeah. and he was upstage in a major way. So one of the best ways to, you know, water down serious issues to really, you know, make mush out of your brain is to just make a joke out of everything. You make a joke out of everything. You don't take anything seriously. But at the same time, you can use a joke to really manipulate people to the way you want to think. And Hitler saw this generation of Germans you know, brains melted by entertainment, by this, you know, over bloated media complex that just cares about ratings and views. And he thought, like what, what he said at the movie, I can work with this. I can. Well, I was I saving play. that for the end. That was that was a masterpiece. The finishing line. Yeah. The, the, in the outro, they show one disaster after their cities being burned, riots of all kind, protests, all kind of angst and chaos. And Hitler's riding down Main Street in a convertible car. And he sees, you see all these things while the credits are rolling. At the end, it's just him. And he says, I can work with this. Yeah. And wow. And that's what the whole world is doing. Our country is in chaos now so that we're all off balance. There's all kinds of angst. There's all kinds of problems. I think it's hard for comedy movies who sometimes have a very serious and strong message to deliver them effectively. But in this movie, it is clear. It is, you know, pristine. It's impossible to miss the message with this movie. And it's extremely strong which is we're not as far off from our worst moments as we think we are no matter how great our societies are we can always go straight back to being animals again just like just like i said in the last movie you know we did the stalin movie now we're doing the hitler movie and just to show you what a fan i am of despotic rulers i wore my deng xiaoping wristwatch 
Not many people have a despotic ruler wrist, wrist, wrist watch, but I do. There's nothing funny about these guys. It's amazing that funny movies can be made. And it's amazing to me that people allow this to happen. They allow themselves to be dumbed down. They allow themselves to have a joke made of everything. We have real serious problems, not just in this country, but individual people who have mental health problems or PTSD problems. Mm -hmm. Then we have communities that have problems, that have racial hatred or whatever in a certain community. Then we have states, we have countries, and the whole world has got all these problems. And it's like it's a big joke. We've made societies of clown people. We don't have real hard-driving leaders. The amount of prosperity we have in the world, there shouldn't be any of this ignorance and starvation and stuff. And Hitler, in the movie, that was his platform. He came out, he said, we have child poverty, we have abused uh, aged people, we have ignorance. He says, that's not my Germany. He goes in the comedy club. He says this, everybody laughs. And then the people came out and they said, you know, he was funny and I laughed, but I kind of agreed with kind of a lot of everything he was saying there. Now, another really funny moment in the movie was he got confronted by neo-Nazis. Yeah. And they said, you're making our whole thing look stupid. So they beat him up. And then when he came to in the hospital with his face all cut up and everything, they said, how you doing? And he said, you know, I had a laugh. They're such a bunch of amateurs. Like they didn't beat him up. <laughs> like he didn't even respect the neo-Nazis. Like those are Nazis? Forget it. Like This movie does what I thought Death of Stalin did probably even better, which was it was a perfect uh, duality between uh, comedy and seriousness, like the deep philosophical, political, social ideas that went behind it paired with uh, jokes that, you know, emphasize that more because at the very end, he's he's giving Savatsky, like his his uh, companion throughout the whole movie, this whole speech about how you're mad at me because I came back and started doing exactly what I did again. But these people obviously want me back. It's like I in 1933, I did not take power. I was elected like you're mad at me because I'm just a reflection of what is deep inside you secretly and i thought that i i don't i didn't even know what to say i was the first time i saw it i was stunned that is some spectacular writing he said i am a product of regular insignificant people electing a very powerful leader you know people who aren't special electing a special leader this this movie i felt like one of the main themes was was fear because when you're afraid, sometimes you try to cope with that fear. Sometimes you make jokes. And on a mm -hmm. wide scale, when there's a lot of issues in front of the country that you don't really want to think about, you don't really want to deal with, make, make jokes about them. It's not as serious. It's not as bad if you make jokes about them. And so there was a lot of real issues that are happening in Germany that they brought up, like the you know poverty, the immigration crisis. Um, oh, yeah. You know, oh, the immigration thing was yeah. huge in the movie. You know, threats of, you know, the worry of terrorism. All of those things are being made jokes out of on the shows because it's you're catering to what the people want, which is they want to be comfortable. But Hitler in this movie uh, perfectly took advantage of that. And at the very end, right. he made people more uncomfortable so they would come to him more yeah. strongly. Yeah. And at the very end, when he says, uh, you can't get rid of me. I'm a part of you. And he's saying it directly into the camera. Could you imagine being uh, in the movie theaters as a German, seeing Hitler say to you, you can't get rid of me. I'm a part of you. Because he knows exactly that you're afraid of all this stuff happening in your country. And it's that fear that will allow people like me to come back. I'm not just a part of your history. I'm something deep inside right. of you. That's always Yes, I'm around. a manifestation of your very nature. Yeah. You know, now... 
there was a there was a one touching scene that I will mention, and then I'll give it over to you because you were sharper on me than me on this one. So the movie in the movie becomes a hit. Yeah. And they all they're going to have a glass of champagne, and he's sad, and he says, "Look, you, you it's it's okay for all of you to celebrate, but I want to raise a glass to those of us who aren't here." Borman, Dernitz, where he's talking about the you know the nineteen forty five Nazis, right? Yeah. And once again, he's so in character. So I really liked that scene. Yeah. That was, that was again, genius writing. Mm-hmm. But the scene that I, I liked it just as much as you, but you loved it. And that was when they parodied the movie Downfall. I, uh, that was, this movie is incredibly clever with everything it does. Like I said, it wields all the avenues or as many avenues of comedy as it could masterfully. And one of them was, you know, irony, parody, satire. There's this, so in, in the movie, the ambitious, uh, I don't know, employee wants to become head of this media group, and then he finally does, but he kicks Hitler off in the process of the show, and then his his media empire starts falling apart, and it's just a complete recreation of that scene from Downfall, where, where Hitler realizes he's going to lose the war. He's in the bunker. He, yeah. He's in his office, surrounded by all the media executives, and it's a complete recreation. He's even like... Right, right. He's like, everyone, out of my office, now. And he, yeah. he has a complete breakdown, compl- like scene for scene recreation of that scene from Downfall. And it's it's hilarious because that's that's a Hitler movie. And you have this totally other guy recreating such a goofy scene. Right, a scene right out of a movie. Yeah. A scene right out of a different movie. So when you see somebody cop something out of another movie that was really great in itself and then twist it around like that. My God, what a great thing. This movie was like... It had it all, didn't it? This movie was was aware and clever, but not in a way that was sort of condescending or sort of trying too hard. Oh, no. I I think like a good... I think a good comparison to make, and you might get mad at me as uh, at this one, but when I first saw the Barbie movie, that movie was trying. <laughs> that movie was trying too hard to be like, like we're making this joke, and but we're so aware about the joke that we're making, and we're you know we're so clever. All right, Ken, you're on. Let's beat you off. Anyone who wants to beach him off has to beach me off first. I will beach both of you off at the same time. And it, well, it, it probably had an audience of 10-year-olds. <laughs> this had an audience of, you know, yeah. people uh, hopefully a little bit sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Not the Germans, but, you yeah. know, the rest of the people. <laughs> yeah. But this movie, was, uh, this movie was extremely aware of what it was doing because not only did it know exactly... It, it's, it's a movie of straight punches. It punches you. Oh, every line. Yes. It's a straight line movie. It's yeah. like Mad, 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 Mad World. Yeah. You know, it's a movie that punches you with the comedy perfectly. It punches you with the seriousness like that. It's I'm not sure if this is the cinematography, but the perfect integration of the real life interviews that they're doing with real people, along with like the footage of like civil unrest, riots and like, uh, you know, violent protests concerning like, you know, people being concerned about their governments and their and the futures of their nations paired with. Uh, the acting parts of the movie, the parts of the movie that are scripted, all to make one cohesive comedy with a very strong message. That is brilliant to me. That is amazing. And some of those messages the one, the, that we stated where he says, you can't get rid of me, I'm part of you. Yeah. That was a heavy message. It was. Right? And at the end, when he saw all the chaos in the world, and 
if you're going to be a ruthless, despotic ruler, you need a, a chaos environment. Yeah. He's looking out. He says, this is perfect. I can work with this. Mm -hmm. They made a lot, a lot of points. Because every line for two, and a, two hours, this is one of those situations where you see a two-hour movie and you can talk about it for four hours, right? Yeah. I mean, you, it's, you almost need the screenplay and go over it step by step. It's just something you can make a real study of if you were in film school or something along those lines. Yeah. You know, how to do it right. Yeah. How to really do it right. I don't know. I, I think it was remarkable that you knew the movie and that I also knew the movie. This is the first time the real generation gap has made a unified presentation to everybody. <laughs> we just, we both wanted it. Look out into the camera. That's it. That's it. Here we are, right? We're, we're, we're telling you folks out there, everybody, you have got to see this movie. You're probably going to find it in German language with English subtitles. So get in an environment where there's no distractions or anything because you don't want to miss a second of this. I give this movie a 10. Honestly, I would give this movie a 10 too. It's one of my favorite movies. It's just one of those movies where I think you have to see it. I don't think everyone will love it, but I loved it. And I'm just going to be biased here. I'm going to give it a 10 because it's my favorite. It's one of my favorites. Well, I, the, the, my favorite part of this whole scene with you and me here is this is something that a, we have probably, what, a 45-year age gap between the two of us, yet we both saw the same movie we liked it for the same reason we had the same feelings about it i think that really says something about our society i'm hoping that the zoomers will come following up after the boomers right you're gen z <laughs> yeah. right i'm the child of the greatest generation and uh man it seems gives me like hope for hope for the world yeah Thank you for watching The Real Generation Gap. Fred and I really loved this movie, and we hope that you did too. Uh, Look Who's Back is a film about Hitler's rebound, and what do you think? Do you think that Hitler, if he came back today, could rise to popularity and power today? Make, make sure to leave a comment about that, and make sure to leave a like and to subscribe as well. Thank you for watching. <laughs>